then oh, also way, Chartrand. Go ahead. Can I do a factual correction from a couple episodes ago? Yeah. Can I, I s- finish my sentence before you do that? No. I mean, yes, <laughs> but I, I just thought of it. Sorry. Okay. Keep it in your head. everyone welcome to the dan brown code i'm lena i'm forrest and today we're going to be talking about the movie that we watched independently over the weekend angels and demons the motion picture starring thomas hanks made in 2009 directed by ronald howard yes yes indeed (laughs) uh director whose work i've always felt is remarkable only in that it is never ever remarkable yeah absolutely that he is the definition of a workmanlike director, and that really carries through to this movie. <laughs> the score was done by Hans Zimmer. Yeah, so is every score. It's it was we got the zim. It was it was zimmed out. I it, must confess, I did not notice it. Oh no, <laughs> I found it actually overwhelming. Like the beginning of it was the, like before even the opening credits, the the swell of the music was like completely too much. For such an unremarkable movie, the soundtrack, I felt, was really over the top. And then there was, like, chanting and, like, angelic wailing. It was great. I must also confess that I have watched the first half of this movie in the last month or so about seven times. I don't think I've ever watched the end of this movie. Like, it's been on while I've been awake (laughs) a number of times. I have not watched it. Did you, the, it, did you eventually watch it? No. No, you didn't watch the end of the I, movie? I, I tried, I tried, I, I tried last night. I put it on and I was watching it and I got so bored. I was like, I cannot maintain focus on this fucking movie in order to record my podcast about it. You could have just started in the middle and gone from there. No, I would have lost interest anyways. It's so boring is the thing about this movie. Okay. Since you've seen the beginning. I mean, I, again, let me reiterate. I have technically seen it all several times. Like, my eyes have, have been viewing it as it happened, but I've completely glazed over. I don't know what happens at the end of this movie, sort of. I, I've read what happens. I've, like, seen and kind of pieced back together in my mind. The but, is, like, I don't have a good picture of if it. If you've read what happens, you don't really know what happens, you know? I know. Like, because well, they change the the. Yeah, no, I've, I've read, it, I've read in it. the Wikipedia plot synopsis of the movie <laughs> where it tells me what's different from the book. And yeah, I've been, I found that this was easier to watch than to read the book. Like as far as I think that's absolute madness. What you're saying (laughs) Um, for like the sexual assault reasons, mostly fair. Um, And also I thought the plot made more sense in the book than it did in the movie. I go back and forth um, because I think they do some streamlining in the movie that helps, but they also do some, there's a few less like, bizarre parallels that the movie makes than the book does that serve on the one hand to make it a little more plausible and Mm -hmm. on the other hand to make it a little less interesting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no i agree with you they removed all daddy issues completely from the it's true from the plot which is a bold choice cotton (laughs) it's yeah it's like half the book what i will say for ron howard as a director he does exhibit a little bit of flair to as far as I can tell, absolutely no purpose in the kind of opening montage. That opening is lit. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's smoke, there's ritual, there's it's beautifully lit. There's a cool like, scene when they're when they're lighting up the sensor of incense that they're gonna um 
processed through the church for the Pope's funeral. We first get a shot of like the inside of the thing and it flares up yeah. as it lights. And then we kind of pull out to the entire procession of cardinals and the camera lingo. It's beautiful. And we get to see the cardinals being like modern cardinals. Like they've got phones and they're smoking. <laughs> and if you are listening to this, please go watch like the first five minutes of this and then turn it off. You know? Yeah, that sounds like, about right. Actually, every time we get smoke, Ron Howard takes us up the pipe to the outside of the Vatican. Oh, that's cute of him. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it cute? Um, we also get the very, very first thing we see is the traditional destruction of the papal ring, the ring of the fishermen, upon the death of the Pope after it's been verified by the Camerlengo in a ceremony that apparently isn't done anymore. Oh, okay. Um, also, apparently the ring should be cut by shears as opposed to hit by a chisel or whatever the hell Ewan McGregor does to it. Uh, we actually get a bit of narration in the beginning. Yeah. And I don't know who it's by. You don't? Do you? I do. Is it's... it by the Cardinal? No, it's by Alfred Molina, who was in Da Vinci Code. Oh. Dr. Octopus, and also the guy from the beginning of Indiana Jones. And he's not in this Except movie. he's the narrator. It's so jarring, because it's the only narration we get at all in the whole movie, is right there. Mm. And I was like, is this Gunther Glick? And it was not Gunther Glick. There was no Gunther Glick. There's no Gunther Glick. They cut out a few plot strands. They cut out, what, like half a dozen characters and then replaced them all with more cops. And interestingly, the movie is still almost two and a half hours long. Yes. (laughs) Somehow. It's it's insanity. (laughs) So it opens on the Vatican and then we move to CERN, right? Yeah. We move to CERN. Uh, they're about to do... Uh, they're an, about to make antimatter. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Vittoria... Everyone is recklessly switching between languages in the middle of an important yeah. test, which I don't recommend. I thought the International Language of Science was English. Yeah, but we're doing French. We're doing Italian. We are playing with idioms in different languages. It's And reckless. also, importantly, um, one of the key factors of the antimatter production in the book was that nobody aside from Leonardo Vetra and Vittoria Vetra knew that it was happening at all. Whereas in the movie, as far as we can tell, everybody in CERN is involved in this test and is like very worried about making antimatter and someone's trying to shut it down, but it's a plot that also gets erased immediately. Well, it's not everyone at CERN because she does say later it's just her research team but it's like a lot of people it's like it's like i don't know close to 10 people or something which does seem more believable that you can't just monopolize time on the large hadron collider for a top secret project no one knows about that draws an enormous amount of energy yeah but then again i don't know the booking process at CERN for the (laughs) large hadron collider it might be like the practice rooms at college where just like you didn't have to sign in if no one was there you could just walk in right so there is no Leonardo Vetra no. in this at all, which kind of weird. Um, I don't, I don't see why they did, they made that choice. Um, but I, he, he's replaced by Dr. Silvano. Yeah. I think it's not her dad because remember how in the last seven episodes of this podcast, anytime Vittoria Vetra does anything, we're like, man, remember how your dad just died like a minute ago? It's crazy that you're just like rolling into this adventure at this point. <laughs> Whereas when it's just her buddy and like, I don't know, maybe vaguely paternal figure, Dr. Silvano, whatever his last name is. Oh, Father Silvano. Yeah. He's still a priest, which doesn't get talked about that much, but it's a little bit important. Well, we see him in his priest's uh, He's got his collar. Yeah. And we see his office, which is religious. Mm -hmm. And this, this movie is not as gross as the book because there's a lack of narration, but it's pretty 
fucking gross. We still see the eyeball on the ground laid bare, and I think that's pretty good. And we see the eyeballless face of Silvano. It's sort of. It's like not really in focus. I disagree. I don't know. The eyeballless face <laughs> didn't do much for me, but the eyeball was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Anyway, so so we kind of open immediately on Leonardo. I mean, Father Silvano. Father Silvano being killed by uh, a man who looks like John Green in a in a service suit. Well, we don't know that. Too- we see his face, though. We see a guy look yeah, but- over his shoulder very suspiciously, walking out with something in a briefcase uh, as though he were like a janitor or service person. But yeah, he just looks like a janitor or service person. Yeah. He, we don't know that he's a mysterious assassin hired by forces unknown to do evil. I didn't say that. I just said the man looked like John Green and looked over his shoulder. You just said that Father Silvano had just been killed by a man who looked like John Green and then looked over his shoulder. <laughs> okay, I did say that. <laughs> as Vittoria Vetra descends into the underbelly of CERN to check, to, to check in with the successful antimatter creation she like passes in this narrow underground hallway a man who looks like John Green but hotter um, <laughs> who is wearing a workman suit and a hard hat and is carrying a briefcase of some kind yeah and he um, does give her a suspicious look he does and the camera lingers on him for some time which I wouldn't have done um, <laughs> it's not a subtle choice it is not um, but Ron Howard is not a subtle man you know no uh, anyway, she, she stumbles upon him and she calls the police and then we find Tom Hanks in his pool. In the pool. Uh, looking the buffest I've ever seen Tom Hanks. IMDb Trivia says he went through an intense workout regimen to prepare for the swimming scene. <laughs> to be shirtless for 30 seconds. Yeah. All right. And like, uh, honestly, guys, he doesn't look that buff. I'm going to be real with you. Like, he looks fine. But like, I'm not saying he looks buff. I'm okay. saying that's the buffest I've ever seen Tom that's, Hanks. That's fair. That's <laughs> <laughs> so this is where Robert Langdon begins to drift in its characterization from the novel, right where we see him and he's Tom Hanks. <laughs> like Tom Hanks is not a broad shouldered swimmer type. Um, his hair is fine, but it's not like the thicket of brown hair graying at the temples where we get Robert Langdon described as having. I think Robert Langdon described as being six foot something. I don't think Tom Hanks is. I can find out. I just Googled buff Tom Hanks and did not really find anything. <laughs> no, I can't imagine there'd be a lot. What are your impressions of Tom Hanks as Robert Langdon? I think, okay, Tom Hanks is uh, six feet tall. What? Um, That's a lie. I, I know well, the internet. Lie to you. I know the internet. Yes, <laughs> especially with the heights of actors. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Uh, I was my your impression, impression of, of Tom Hanks as Robert Langdon. Uh, he's. I feel like he's doing his best with not very much because it's such a one-dimensional character, and also I still think about the brother from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond when I think <laughs> of Robert Langdon. So a little inappropriate. Um, apart from that, I think he plays pedantic very well. He does a Sherlock Holmes thing at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's uh, snooping. He's uh, sleuthing around trying to figure out why this man is here and where he's from. Yeah, yeah. So so we got a scene of the pool at Harvard and Tom Hanks is swimming up and down in this guy in a snazzy suit who you may recognize. Do you watch Veep? Mm mm. Okay, it's. But uh, I've seen that man before. Yeah, it's it's Selena Meyer's ex husband from Veep, who I think is also in Groundhog Day, but I've not seen Groundhog Day, and I've watched Veep a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my reference for him. And he comes walking up by the pool, and then Tom Hanks somehow has seen him from underwater and like clocked him pretty well. He's like, 
oh, a, a nice swim will help you with the jet lag. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and Tom Hanks is like, the jet lag. You're from the Vatican. I can tell you got bags under your eyes. And the cross keys on your briefcase. That's the royal sim, or not royal, but like that's the arms of the Vatican. I actually didn't notice the crossed keys. And I, when that came up later in the movie, I was like, what? Keys? So I should have been uh, paying attention. But it was, in my defense, very hard to pay attention to this movie. It's, it's very dull. <laughs> but then like, it turns out Robert Langdon's sort of wrong. Because... He's not jet lagged from flying from Italy. He was like in New York and just woke up early in the morning to fly to Boston. So he's not jet lagged, just tired, but he is from the Vatican. Yeah. And he's there to say, Robert Langdon, I've been sent here to ask you a question. So I don't know who from CERN communicated with the Vatican. Nobody from CERN. So here's what happens. Okay. So you know how in the book, the plot is set off by the assassin kills Leonardo Vetra and brands him with an Illuminati brand. That's right. And then CERN calls Robert Langdon because he's he the Illuminati branded, guy. Was he? Was Vetra branded? I v- mean, Silvano? Silvano was not branded. Yeah, okay. And that's why he doesn't have someone from CERN calling him in the middle of the night. Instead, he has this guy from the Vatican come up to him, and it's because... Instead of the Illuminati ambigram being a brand in this, the assassin faxes it to the Vatican. <laughs> it's 2009. <laughs> it's a, he sends a fax to the Vatican of the Illuminati ambigram, and then the guy's like, Illuminati, it's like, we heard you were the guy that talked about Illuminati art. And um, Robert Landon's like, yeah, I am. And is starts to get very snooty and a little um, pushy about his anger at the vatican for not letting him into their archives uh because the guy's like oh you you wrote art of the illuminati and then he's like volume one i can't finish volume two because you guys won't let me into your archives for good reason which we've covered for very before. good reason which we covered before and we will cover again <laughs> why does vittoria show up then because uh they also have on their cameras the antimatter thing and i don't think it says cern on it but they call her in because somehow they recognize, or maybe Sir puts out on Interpol or some shit that like, oh, we we lost this canister of stuff. Oh, okay. And Vatican's like, oh, there's a canister of stuff that showed up on our cameras. <laughs> Got it. So all that's been done by the time Tom Hanks yeah. gets to, to CERN. Mm-hmm. He he never goes to CERN. He goes straight to Rome. Okay. I it, it's hard to follow this film, you guys. It's yeah. It, it a lot happens and it's not good. It like it's not bad. It's just. Okay, it's unremarkable. It's not one of those movies that's so bad it's good. It's just boring. It's just boring and bad. Um, one thing I did like, the cop who comes to pick up Robert Langdon, um, his name is Vincenza, I think. I don't think he was in the book. He's just kind of made up, and he sort of replaces um, Ferrero Rocher, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a Swiss guard. He's part of the Gendarmeria or whatever. Wait, actually, I, I made a, a small... Uh, kind of like a translation of who is who because yeah. Richter is Olivetti and yes. Olivetti is Roche yes. in this one. And Chartrand is still Chartrand. Chartrand is Chartrand. But Vincenzi just kind of like he's everyone just else. chilling. Okay. You know? So he's explained to Robert Langdon part of why they're calling him and part of it has to do with the events of Da Vinci Code which in the movie universe happens before Angels and Demons even though in the book universe where we're living it happens afterwards he's like oh we've heard you're quite what is the word 
formidable and robert is like formidable and you're like oh <laughs> thanks for that helpful translation robert this is just like maybe it's their nod to the writing in the books of needless translation it happens a lot actually i i kept noting it where he would say uh uh el signo a sign <laughs> and i'm like you're speaking to Italians. Yeah, but like <laughs> at least in at least in that one he's saying it both himself and this one he's correcting this Italian guy who just said formidabile or whatever, <laughs> a word that sounds exactly like formidable. He's like formidable. <laughs> Another thing that happens in that scene is one of the reasons stated for this guy visiting him and why they've just decided to call Tom Hanks, I mean Robert Langdon yeah. uh, for, to solve this mystery is because of his erudition, which takes us back to Robert Langdon's erudite appeal that we all know about. Yeah. Very sexy, very erudite. Yeah. I don't get that, like, hot scholarliness from Tom Hanks. No, not, not, like, not in the slightest. One, There's no sex in this. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the thing about Robert Langdon in the books is, like, one of his primary character traits is being hot and desirable and tom hanks is avuncular and friendly and nice except not all those things with robert langdon he's kind of annoying yeah but like he's he's still like got the tom hanks thing going on but doesn't like pick up any of the magnetism of langdon i don't think (laughs) the kavorka (laughs) yeah did you notice the nod to dan brown's high school in this i did there is an exeter pennant just chilling in in his office yeah amazing i enjoyed that uh only only real dan brown heads will notice that (laughs) such as us and you now listener as we get like the events happening as robert langdon flies to rome with vincenza we see the cardinals getting ready to file into conclave and hilariously they're coming out of like tour buses yeah and filing into the sistine chapel and they're very um multicultural there's japanese yeah. dudes there there's uh black cardinals. i mean that's true to real that's true to real life yeah but not true to this book in this book one brown person showed up and they're like a foreign looking cardinal came in <laughs> <laughs> that's true fair point fair point did you notice that the cardinals in the sistine chapel have little name cards at their places and the calligraphy on them is very weird it is very weird. It's, like, not good. It's the kind of calligraphy that you do when you're 12 and learning calligraphy. Yeah, it's pretty ugly. I don't like it. When Robert Langdon shows up in Rome, and he starts walking around, getting ready to go to the office of the Swiss guard where he's going to try to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. He passes a statue and sees the fig leaf on its gonads. And Emmy's like, ah, yes, Pope Pius' great castration. And Vincenza, who he's walking with, is like, what? Or no, he might be with Olivetti at this point. He's with Olivetti. Olivetti is pretty hot and looks like Peter Dinklage yeah. little. I don't get that, but I do get very hot. Um, <laughs> his name is Pier Francesco Favino. All right, I'm and into it. He's a real-life Italian. <laughs> He was also, I mean, because the, the uh, Vincenzi is not, he's an American, although he has a wildly Italian name, <laughs> David Pasquizi. Pasquizi? <laughs> Might be Pasquizi, but. I don't know. Oh, Pasquizi. Um, and so, yeah, Robert was like, oh, the great castration of Pope Pius the, um, the May 10th. And 
all of that. He's like, what? What? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, he thought the sight of the um, statue's genitalia might incite lust in people. So he went out of the hammer knocking it off. And then the figlies were added later. And all of that. He's like, I don't care. And neither is <laughs> anybody else. You're such an asshole. Like... It's one thing to spout trivia about a museum or something as you go through it when you're like on their tour. Yeah. It's another thing to do it. I guess he doesn't know he's been brought in for this like high crime reason yet, but he knows it might be connected to this kidnapping of these four people. So it's like another thing entirely to be like spouting off trivia about the building you're in with the people who work there. Yeah. uh, While they're like very stressed at a stressful time in their lives and you're just like, being rude. This movie really just emphasizes how much of an asshole Robert Langdon is. Because yeah. to read it is one thing, but to see it happen, to hear the tone of voice. It's wild. It's really so awful. Um, there's three of these movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the reviews section of the Angels and Demons film Wikipedia page, uh-huh. I have a real sense of impending doom about Da Vinci Code. <laughs> all all of the reviews of it are like, Angels and Demons is okay, and it's a marked improvement upon the absolute slog that was Da Vinci Code. Yeah, yeah that's what I read too. But I'm also finding five-star reviews for D- uh, Angels and Demons oh, that I we can for- read later. I, I look forward to those. Yeah, I'm doing it, you know, how did this get made style. To those damaged people. <laughs> Um, when we meet the, so Olivetti is like the commander of the Vatican police who are different from the Swiss guard. Their captain is the very Swiss Stellan Skarsgård, the world's Swedish man. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I guess Swedish and Swiss probably aren't that far off, but he is also the world's most recognizable Swede outside of ABBA. But anyways, he's the commander of the Swiss Guard, and he does not like Robert Langdon, and he's very smart. Um, Yeah, the first thing he says is, oh good, a symbologist is here, (laughs) which is right. (laughs) He says it in like an accent who's, I can't quite determine if it is Swiss or Swedish or how hard Stellan Skarsgård is trying on this. (laughs) But my only note there is, I heart Commander Richter. (laughs) And this is where Vittoria Vetra comes into the actual plot of the movie beyond calling the police. Because Mm -hmm. she's also in the room with Langdon. And she is not wearing shorts. She's not wearing shorts. She's in a very... Well, because I think she uh, had a little more time to prepare to go to the Vatican this Mm -hmm. time. Um, She's in a very nice, very attractive, just kind of all black... She's got boots on. She's got a pencil skirt. She's got a coat. Although it's summer. (laughs) whatever (laughs) um she's not quite equipped to be running around and that's okay because she doesn't do much running around yeah she's a physicist yeah um i like this actress a lot me too she was a little too pretty to be victoria because as we know victoria is hot but like not that hot you know she was in man of steel was she as as lara lorvan (laughs) someone kryptonian i'll tell you that much about it Is that his... No, his mom's name is Martha, right? Uh, well, his Earth's mom's name is Martha. Oh. His um, What's his real mom's name? His dad is Zorel. Listen, I know it's Zorel. I'm sorry. Oh, I should know his mom's name, and I don't. What oh, no. is Superman's mom's name? Lara. Is yeah, it Lara Lorvan? It is. It's her. It's the okay, same woman. She's Superman's mom. She's Superman's mom. Good for her. Um, that does bring us to Henry Cavill. Um, who you thought the camera lingo should be. And he's not. He's not. He's Ewan McGregor as (laughs) (laughs) 
Camerlango, very Scottish. Ca- Irish. Oh, Irish. Sorry. Uh, Camerlango Patrick McKenna. Uh, Is he Irish? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's why his mom was killed in like a Irish terrorist bombing because they didn't want the Archbishop going to Ireland. I don't oh. think Ewan McGregor's Irish. Yeah, I don't think... I think Ewan McGregor might be Scottish, but... Is he the, doing an Irish accent in this? Uh, according to IMDb, he's doing a passable Irish accent. <laughs> <laughs> it was very barely passable, and he says that he was raised in Italy. Yes. Since he was a child. Yeah. And he should have lost his accent by now, but it's fine. Um. Anyways, this is very disorganized. Oh, yeah, so the reason I want to talk about Vittoria in this scene is because she immediately, and for no reason, makes an enemy out of Selen Skarsgård as well. Because <laughs> um, he's called her in because of the antimatter. And at first he's like, I've never heard about being used as an explosive. And she's like, oh, well, it's never been produced in this quantity before. Is why you can't do it. Which is better than the books thing where he's like, antimatter? What the hell is that? I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah. Just, you know, women telling you about explosives. Um, but... Then she's like, oh, uh, you know, we've been trying to study the very beginning of time. Uh, something that some people call the God particle. He's like, God particle? <laughs> and gets like very offended by the whole thing. And there's no reason for her to mention that, A, like, just say we're looking for the Higgs boson. Um, yeah. And B, like, it's just a ham-fisted attempt to bring more of the theme into this movie of science versus religion. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Ron Howard doesn't actually have any opinions on that theme. And just like <laughs> he's never thought about it every now and again. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what this uh, book's about. So I have to, like, say something about it. The only thing I want to say about that interaction is that she describes antimatter as being highly combustible, which it is not. It no. is highly explosive. But explosive and combustible are not the same thing. You don't set antimatter on fire. It doesn't combust. It annihilates. It annihilates. But you can't say highly annihilatable, I guess. So, yeah, highly explosive or destructive is fine. Bad es- writing, especially when you're the physicist. Yeah, uh, the writing's Akiva Goldsman's fault. He's a writer with a really variable career. <laughs> um, what has he written? Uh, so he got an Academy Award for writing *A Beautiful Mind*. He's okay. also written Batman Forever, Batman <laughs> and Robin, I Am Legend, um, part of the story of Transformers: The Last Night. I think he's. <laughs> they, I think for the Transformers, they've assembled like this writers' room full of writers to like make up the stories for these Transformers movies. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you a fact about the story of Transformers: The Last Night. It fucking blows. It's so bad. <laughs> it makes like the first couple Transformers movies look really smart. <laughs> I stopped watching, I think, after Megan Fox left. That's probably the right move. Um, no, I think the I first watched tra- one with Rosie Huntington Whiteley or whoever the new yeah, girl was. Yeah, well, she then- was only in one. They've, they've, they've had one girl per movie since then. Megan Fox was the only one who really captured Sam Witwicky's heart. And now Sam <laughs> that w- his name? And now Sam Witwicky's not even in them. So, like, last night had Mark Wahlberg. Um, Didn't one of them have Hawkeye or no? No, that's not true. Mm, that's not true. No, Hawkeye not was true. Uh, born, and he was in the most recent born. He was yes. born. Yeah. Well, two, two, two borns ago. Two. I think the most recent born, they brought back Matt Damon. Is that so? I think so. Okay. Um, and everyone thought it was going to be good again, and it wasn't. <laughs> it takes more than Matt Damon to make a good born. Anyway, back to the actual movie we watched. Do we have to. <laughs> 
they get a message from the assassin or something? They get a, a video. They bring yeah. it on a TV. And they watch a recorded video of um, all, all the cardinals that are missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the assassin's doing voiceover. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't place his accent. At first I thought it was Russian, but I think it's actually Israeli. The actor's Danish. Okay. That's all I know. It it sounded like... It didn't sound Danish. No, it did not. After this video, Robert Landing gets the clues he needs to say that, oh, he, he wants to follow the path of illumination because I think there was a corresponding phone call from the Hassassin in the book where he's like, oh, I will uh, kill your four card pillars of the church along the altars of science and blah, 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 blah. Path of illumination. Yeah. Yeah, And because this is a movie, we get that in a video this time because it's more visually exciting. And you don't have to base your racism off the sound of someone's voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he's white in this one. And he's white in this one. So it's cool. Um, And so Langdon knows he has to go to the library. And then just like in the book, Richter, except, in the book, it's Olivetti is like, oh, you can't let you in there. And then Langdon's like, oh, I can go through papal mandate. And he's like, the Pope is dead. You might have noticed because the conclave's on. <laughs> oh, also going way back to the beginning, Rob, they did make Robert Langdon be less dumb when he was like flying into Rome. It's like, oh, the conclave's on. Yeah. Whereas this time, like right when the guy shows up, he's like, shouldn't you be in Rome? It's kind of busy over there right now. Yeah. Um. Anyways. So they go to the Camerlengo, whom Richter clearly has not a lot of regard for, which I like. Yeah. Um, the Camerlengo is like, I don't really want to let you in. And Robert Langdon's like, but please, though. And then he's like, OK, but do you believe in God? And Robert Langdon's like, I'm a sapiosexual. It's the, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the conversation he has with Vittoria in the plane to Rome in the book. Yeah, that's that's what it yeah, is. It's, and then he it, gets let in. Yeah, and like there's some there's some thing about the camera like oh, be delicate with our treasures. Yeah, um, I have a question, and it's not about that, and it's about cardinals more generally in life. Okay, um, do cardinals always wear matching outfits? Do they have special conclave outfits? Do they always wear the same thing? And then when the the church decides to change their outfit, they all get like a new shipment of clothes. What is I the deal? I think they generally have pretty similar if not identical ceremonial robes okay um you don't i think terribly often outside of vatican city see more than one cardinal in the same place mm-hmm. um i'm not sure i've ever seen any cardinal maybe once but i think like especially at official things they'll be matching they all have like the lace underskirt and everything. yeah okay um just a fun fact Ron Howard was not allowed in the Vatican to film um, for this film because he, they didn't like the Da Vinci Code, which, okay. Fair. And so they had to build the Vatican in L.A. And uh, that's why we get some crazy CG shots in some of the on-location, in um, some of the some of the altars of science and stuff. They also apparently sent in, like, PAs undercover and set designers into the Vatican with cameras and shit. Um, to take pictures and it's like you can just google it you don't need to pay these <laughs> there's people. 3d models on the internet yeah um this is where we meet chartrand the best cop best cop um the reason he's the best cop very is swiss also he's danish he looks swiss though. um he plays the second partner of detective saga noren in the wonderful swedish danish co-production police show the bridge <laughs> 
Um, there's also an American version with Diane Kruger and it's not very good. There's also an English version called The Tunnel. I don't know who's in it. It's apparently okay. I think there's some other versions. But the Danish-Swiss one's the original one. Danish-Swedish one's the original one. It's the best way to go. It's super good. And he plays Henrik in it. And I like him a lot. But he's young here. He's like a little baby. He is a baby. And he gets my favorite line of the entire thing. Which is? Uh, Sadly, it won't come through if I put a clip in in the audio because you need to have the visual. Oh, okay. But he's letting Robert Langdon into the little glass box where they have the books. And he's like, I'll be just outside the door watching you, Mr. Langdon. (laughs) (laughs) And his face when he does it and the pause he does is all absolutely perfect. It's magnificent. And Chartrand is the best person in the movie just because of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, We don't get a Cardinal Mortati. We get Cardinal Strauss. Cardinal Strauss. Who comes off as a sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) He's got, like extremely frightening eyes he's i think they're trying to paint him as like maybe he's the suspect they're like literal icy blue eyes yeah they're very very scary they uh, he's played as though like you don't really know until the end if he's the one who's orchestrating all these murders and stuff so i get it but uh (laughs) camerlingo patrick goes (laughs) to uh strauss and is like we should evacuate the people and Strauss is like, oh, yeah. well, we're all going to die anyway, aren't we? <laughs> and Carmelico Patrick is like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. These people love their church. Mm-hmm. They will go to hell if, heaven if need be. I know. Um, I don't know exactly what he says, but like his basic thing is like, oh, if they all die, it's fine. They wanted to be here. Right. <laughs> it's it's like, God's will if they all die. Um, yeah, I think he's kind of supposed to be a mix of Martati, but also bring in some of our Kohler elements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, bold choice okay let's see the library yes uh robert landing comes to the galileo conclusion i think a lot faster than he does in the books Mm -hmm. but the dialogue of robert langdon figuring stuff out does not make any more sense than it does in the books (laughs) at least in the books we have the the inner inner monologue yeah so i think i will clip some audio here yeah he Um, he jumps to d3 like where he's like no reason. He and Victoria jumping back and forth and making these incredible leaps of non-logic. <laughs> and it just is insanely <gasps> difficult to watch and listen to. Do you have a quote or No, no? I don't. I okay. just have I just have 3520 to <laughs> clip that. Okay. Um, so it turns out my audio interface is not really set up to clip audio from the computer. It's on right now. I'll figure it out before the next time. In the meantime, sorry. Um, before I think we, before we get there, we get a small clip of our Hassassin tormenting the cardinals. Oh, yeah. Um, first of all, the Passetto is right by the jail, which seems like bad castle design. Yes. But, sure. Um, I mean, one I th- of the cardinals... Sorry, Yeah, I think that I think the layout in the movie mm-hmm. is not really so much that the jail is in the castle and the Passetto is a separate place. I think it's there's just like some cells in the passageway. Okay. I think that's what's happening. That also seems like bad design. It's not good design, but it's easier to convey visually than whatever is happening in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple notes. One, of the, the French cardinal is black, so... Yeah. You know, 2009. And also, I don't know if we said this, but the Hassa scene looks like John Green. So much like John Green. It's disorienting. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly 
it's truly too much. And I like that he's kind of like a twisted nerd instead of like a trained, yeah, uh, like racial generalization. You know, like a trained. Mur- I mean, this guy is a trained murderer, but he's not like buff and dark and scary no, and a sexual he's predator. A nerd. He also is a detective in another good Danish uh, crime TV show. <laughs> Are there so many Danes in this? Uh, he was in the Killing, but not the American Killing. Again, we remade it. Um, Right. Watch more Danish crime shows, guys. (laughs) So they're in the library. Uh, We were watching, at this point, Men Explain Stuff to Me, the movie, uh, in which Robert Langdon explains things to Vittoria. Well, here's... I'm going to explain something to you now, Lena. Uh, He pulls down Galileo's book, the, I believe, made-up Dialogo de Veritatis or something. Mm-hmm. And she knows all uh, about or it. Or Diagramma de Veritatis. Well, she knows about the other two. Oh, okay. Um, if I may explain to you more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I know Dialogo and Discorsi, but what's the Diagramma? Mm-hmm. Um, but he pulls down this book, and then Vittoria says to him, do you need help with the Latin? Vittoria, the physicist, says to Robert Langdon, the, the scholar of medieval symbology... <laughs> or at the very least Renaissance symbology, when Latin was still very much in use by the church in the area Robert studies as a professional academic. (laughs) And instead, this physicist who has demonstrated knowledge of French and Italian and English so far also knows Latin, which Robert Langdon, the scholar who should know Latin as part of his area of scholarly study, does not seem to know Latin. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't make any sense. And if it were in Italian or if she had been raised by a priest, like in the book, neither of those would explain it away, but neither of those are the case here. Um, anyway, they do find it. And then she rips out the page as in the book, which Mm -hmm. you've all heard about. And they run out and Olivetti's like, you ripped out the page. And they're like, yep, we did. Well, Robert Lang is an unbelievable snitch. Yeah. Yeah, all of it is like you took a page from the Vatican archives, and Robin's like points at them behind. She did it, and she goes, "Oh, I did." (laughs) Um, So they go to the pantheon. This is where my notes end. Okay. Oh my god, this is where your notes end. (laughs) I was still watching, but like I stopped taking notes. (laughs) Okay. So they get to the pantheon, and there is a crazy CG crane shot of them in the pan. It's bananas. It is like it's so badly done, and. So they're in the crazy. They're in, they're in the they're in the pantheon, and then he does the "I'll meet you in 180 degrees." And luckily, it's pretty short. Like they they just walk a little bit. Blessedly, yeah. And she, he doesn't get harassed by whatever guy. No, there's there is a tour guide though. Yeah, um, not quite there yet. And then sorry, it's all right. And then Victoria's like, "Hey, Robert, he moved. He was moved, right? Mm. The thing." And then he walks up to this poor tour guide, and he says. Are there any tombs designed by uh, Raphael Santi that uh, include with, an angel in them and well, have no, anything he, to do he with? Wants or, the, he wants the ossuary annex. Oh, yeah, the ossuary annex. He calls it an undercroft. Yeah, it has an undercroft and uh, a statue that has to do with angels. And she goes, no, I'm sorry. I can only think of one, <laughs> which is, What? Yeah. What do you mean? I, I can only you would just say yes. There is this there one. Is. He didn't ask. Can you think of five? <laughs> like I mean, I'm just impressed by the fact that she was able to think of any. Like most tour guides, oh, yeah. most tour guides in places, I don't think she's are a, like that on the ball with their shit. She's but, an ex- expert of the pantheon. Yeah, but <laughs> Raphael's like not that major a part of the pantheon. I don't think. Yeah. What kind of? I'm sorry. I can only think of one. I actually <laughs> put this for clips. 
That's yeah. The, yeah, I was so upset about and it. And I was like, one's good. And you're like, y- yeah, thanks. <laughs> That's all you asked for. So um, so they go to the, the church. The Kiji Chapel. They go to the Kiji Chapel. Uh, there's a really great shoe gag where <laughs> there are these shoes on a beam up in the sky. And uh, it's it's creepy in there because there's all the construction, right? And they're like things are skittering around. And Sandwich rat. Th- there, there was no sandwich rat, but there, been. <laughs> but there was uh, Olivetti coming out from behind a curtain. Yeah. Um, and then the camera pans up and you see these shoes like high above. And you're like, oh, is the house a scene there? And no, it's just a pair of empty shoes and it keeps panning. I have not and noticed that. And it tilts that. down. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's so stupid. And I, I wish we could clip it, but like it's a purely visual gag. It's my favorite thing in the whole movie is That's a shoe wonderful. gag. Okay. Uh, then they go down and find the dead cardinal, and it's pretty gross. It's pretty I liked gross. It. I was like, is this like a seven style gore film, or is it Indiana Jones? Like, what? Is yeah, happening? no, it's it's got everything from the book. He's like half buried. Uh, <laughs> his mouth is full of dirt. There's rats crawling on him. He's got the brand. It's all there. Um, it's kind of amazing they got away with it in this PG thirteen film. Because it's pretty gruesome. Yeah, it's 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 very, very awful to look at. It, I I didn't like it. Um, anyway, we we've read the book. We know what happens next. Yeah did 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 you have anything to say about how they get to St. Peter's Square for the air thing? Um, because uh, no. I feel like I looked down and looked back up and they were there. I mean, I can tell you what happens. Is they, he yeah. like he like looks southwest. He sees that it's St. Peter's Square. He, they go to it. And then... That probably makes more sense than the yeah. book where he... <laughs> and then, and then walk, there's a huge crowd, obviously, in St. Peter's Square. And they look down and they see one of those bas-reliefs. Ba- ba- yeah. And... Uh, you don't need to do Langdon's bas-relief pronunciation in English. You can just say bas-relief. I looked it up to make sure. Okay, <laughs> bas-relief. Because I heard him say, I was like, I've never heard anyone say <laughs> bas-relief. Okay. <laughs> He sees one of them, but not the yeah. not the West Penente, and the other ones look just as stupid. <laughs> <laughs> not your finest work, Bernini. I know. And so they, he's like, okay, everybody split up and find the, the one, one that has, has to do the wind. And so they find the West Penente, and then the they find the cardinal, and it's very gross. Yeah, the, the cardinal death scenes at least the first three are just as gross as in the book. And I approve of that kind of dedication to your craft. Yeah. Uh, it includes the doing CPR and having blood spurred up into their faces. So gross. So uh, gross. But that allows for a costume change, which is very yeah, cool. I liked that in the book, they don't describe much of the chaos in St. Peter's square that makes it possible for the Hassassian to kind oh. of slip through unnoticed. Yeah. And the movie like really makes a meal out of, how chaotic everything is in the square and like there's protesters yelling at each other and like stem cell research is murdering babies and i was like it's saving lives and um then four different or at least three different reporters from france and spain and italy are all explaining in french and spanish and in their German respective languages and yeah why their preferiti is the one who's most favored to win and i thought that was kind of fun yeah i thought that was fun uh the 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 movie is as committed as the book is to tell don't show um <laughs> 
which is a lot. It's a lot. You've got like someone being like, "How can you be killing people or whatever?" Or like, "You need sp- stem cell things to save people's lives." And then a religious woman is like, "Man is not God," <laughs> and it's it's very heavy handed. But again, Ron Howard, not a subtle man, no. so maybe very well suited to this book <laughs> as a director. So now they get to go change clothes and try to figure out where the next cardinal's going to get killed. Okay, here's here's my maybe second favorite point. Okay. No tweed. There's no tweed in this movie. There's not. Robert Langdon's wearing like some other brown suit in the beginning. He's right? wearing like a random brown suit and then changes into this all black outfit that is very fetching. It's fine. On Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, camera like Patrick McKenna even says something like, oh, the black of our order suits you well, fa- or, uh, professor. <laughs> You're doing voices now? A little bit. Um, <laughs> and Lena's like, oh, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> and he just, yeah, goes. Um, okay. At that point, they go to the fire chapel. Santa Maria della Vittoria. Oh, before we do that, he goes back to the archive. Oh, yeah. And we get the... With, with Chartrand. Yeah. And we get the whole suffocation scene yeah vittoria is not down there because she has to stay to receive her uh journals savino's journals what's yeah. his name um <laughs> Signora? dan scavino um <laughs> silvano father silvano <laughs> yeah father silvano's journals are being shipped to yeah. uh, the vatican so that uh they can see kind of what happened who else knew about the antimatter yeah a thing that Camerlengo McKenna like seems very okay with suggesting they do, mm-hmm. which he shouldn't be. Like, there's a reason in the book why it was a shocking eleventh hour discovery for Maximilian Kohler that the same character was keeping these detailed journals because that was going to reveal the other person outside the research team who knew of the project. Whereas in this one, Father McKenna seems very cool about it happening when he knows his name's going to be in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the the escape scene. The archive escape scene. It was easier to follow. Or the archive escape scene, yeah. Yeah. It was um, fun. It's... It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, so power cuts out. Lights are red. Looks very cool. Um, Chartrand is a smoker and so passes out pretty soon. <laughs> Um, forgot that. <laughs> not before loading up a cart full of books and ramming it at the wall. So, yeah. so Chartrand begins the process of destroying this pod, which I guess gives Robert Langdon permission to continue. <laughs> to really go all for it. Yeah. <laughs> then Chartrand passes out. Robert Langdon uh, grabs his gun, although we've never seen. Oh, I guess he was in the Da Vinci Code, so he has shot a gun before. In this universe? Uh, maybe. But, I mean, like, it's not that hard to shoot a gun, I don't think. Have you shot a gun? Yeah. Okay, I haven't, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 Well, he wasn't you, shooting you, at you something, necessarily. Tri- yeah, no, you're yeah. shooting at a window. Like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hit a person at any reliable anything, but, Yeah, like, but he was shooting at a wall. I think I could probably shoot a wall. Yeah, so he shoots a few, um... What happened? Oh no! First, he first he does the thing where he rocks back and forth on top uh, of the bookshelf, the bookshelf, and topples it over. Nothing, Nothing happens. happens. And then he gets off, gets the gun, shoots the wall. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. He goes. He climbs back to the top. He is dying. He passes out. He passes out on top. He. I think he checks his Mickey Mouse yeah. watch, and then it shatters, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's it's a well shot scene. Um, kudos where it's due to ron howard yeah and he wakes up and he's like 
and then uh, he and Chartrand run out of the thing. The box explodes, and they're on their way to the church. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be a shootout, and also a man burning alive during it. Yeah, so they get there, and everyone's there. They have backup immediately. Um, and then... Is and Vittoria there? No, Vittoria's not okay, there. She's, she's still waiting for the thing. journals. Um, which she doesn't need to be there because she doesn't get kidnapped. Yeah, she's not getting kidnapped. Um, but everyone dies. Except for... Except for Robert Langdon. Yeah. Yeah, Olivetti dies. A bunch of random Swiss Guard people die. Uh, normal Roman police people die. Um, who the, the, the nose... The Italian man who comes mm-hmm. for him at at the pool? What's... Vicenze? Oh, yeah, Vicenzi. Yeah, he dies. He dies. Um, everyone dies, including the the, car- the cardinal, um, mm-hmm. who I guess they tried to release one of his hands, and he ends up just slipping lower into the fire, which I'm not sure how that works, <laughs> it's, but okay. It's pretty... <laughs> it's rough watching this man. That was, the, that was the only one that was like difficult to watch for me, was this guy burning alive. Yeah, it was pretty awful. Uh, Robert Langdon crawls through the fire at a certain point to get to a tomb, and then you may have you may recall us talking about the tomb escape scene and how confusing it was. It's different here. And him doing a plank and then ending up under the sarcophagus. And what happens here instead is he just kicks out a grate and then falls into the catacombs where there's a bunch of skulls on yeah, the floor. Yeah, it's very scary. Um, and then gets gets rescued later. But and there's like the, no issue with like air running out or anything. Well, and like the assassin assassin, I guess here sees him and like very clearly could take a shot and doesn't. Yeah. Um, and also instead of getting his arm crushed under the sarcophagus or whatever, the assassin this time injures his arm by like all of that or someone shoots him. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Robert Langdon survives by yeah, doing lives. a very simple thing and, 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 uh, he gets out and then one of my favorite scenes happens where he, he finds these cops, these Italian cops, and he's like, you need to take me to this fountain. And then uh, the cops are like, okay, but we have a job to do, so we have to go to (laughs) St. Peter's Basilica because there might be an explosion. Oh, at this point, um, Camerlengo Patrick has told everyone that there's going to be an explosion. We need to get out of here, right? So the police are all on their way to the St. Peter's Basilica to get everyone out. Um, But (laughs) Robert Langdon says, here, I have it written down. He says, why don't you act like real cops and take me to the fountain uh, that I want to go to? And I'm like, what are, are so are real cops are just mavericks with no oversight? Abandon your post and help me do this thing that you have no reason to believe me is the yeah. case. Um, but they do against their better nature and uh, does not help them out in the end because they get to the fountain. Uh, he skips straight to... Knowing that it's the angel of peace, there's no garbage Thank about God. throwing coins 50 yeah. trillion feet in the air. Um, and they see a van with its headlights on <laughs> swing around. And uh, as he's looking at the fountain, kind of the police officer's like, We're gonna check this out. And they immediately get murdered to death so hard and then thrown in the back. Um, and then Robert Langdon at that point notices the van and goes, Wait a minute, where are those guys I came here with? And uh, notices that someone is pushing a dolly into the thing with a with an old man on it. Who is it? Cardinal Baja. Baja. And so he goes in with his sw- swimmer's lungs and tries to save him and has a really hard time doing yeah. it. Do so you there, want to take there, over? I mean, I just wanted to note that 
in the book, this is the place where a big fight scene between Langdon and the assassin happens. A very exciting one. Yeah. And in the movie, there is no fight scene, which like does make more sense in that Robert Langdon does not like manage to almost win and still come out alive from this fight with this man. Instead, he just like tries to rescue the cardinal after the assassin just dumps him in the water and jets off. Yeah. Um, he, do- he doesn't take this opportunity to kill Robert Langdon, which he totally should. Um, he does explain why later. He does? Yeah. Okay. I don't remember. I guess you know. But yeah, Robert manages to eventually like do the breathing tube thing that he did in yeah. the book, except this time he shares it with the Cardinal and manages to, I think, get some help from people in the yeah. square and get the Cardinal out. So he, um, he's shouting for help and no one's paying attention. And then all of a sudden there's kind of a jump scare of like two feet landing behind him. And you're like, <gasps> but it's not, it's a, it's a good Samaritan. And yeah. so they do save Cardinal Baja. And that's why in this movie versus the book, Things change because Robert Langdon yeah, is there. That's true. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Langdon actually has an Saves impact in this film. How yeah. Um, <laughs> he, instead of having to do the weird detective work of finding that the four places made a cross across Rome. It's still a jinked up cross, even in and the movie. That it, yeah. But he doesn't have to do that so much. It's just like he's asked Baja, like, where did he, where did he, where was he hiding you guys? He's like, oh, Castel Sant'Angelo. Yeah. That makes more sense than the cross. And how does he meet back up with Vittoria before he goes to the castle? Um, I think they meet him on the way there or something. They go there and they find... They have cell phones. ...passageway Uh and the assassin's there, right? The assassin's there. He, like, hides and they're, like, turning over everything looking for... For the antimatter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's what it is. So, uh, Robert Langdon is independently going to the Castel Sant'Angelo and we get a really cool shot of the it's Castel a, it's Sant'Angelo. A, it's a cool castle. And then and Chartrand is like, we just got some info on the Castel Sant'Angelo if like the the antimatter has to be there. Okay. Basically. I don't remember what the intel was. That's how they end up at the thing. They, yeah, they're at the castle. They're looking for the antimatter. It's definitely not there. Then they find the case of the brands. Yeah, find the bunch of brands. And one of them is missing, right? The fifth yeah, one is missing. So, Unlike the book where there are six brands, Illuminati, Earth, Air, Wind, Fire, and then the Diamond. Did you do that on purpose? What? Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Illuminati, Earth, Air, Water, Fire, (laughs) Diamond. In the movie, there are only five brands. Earth, Air, Water, water, Fire, fire, and and a mysterious fifth one that's missing from the box. Yeah. Um, and then the guy like cocks his gun and is like, the assassin comes yeah. out and cocks his gun and is like, look, I've I'm, had a, a lot I'm of, a, yeah, go ahead. I've had a lot of chances to kill you tonight. I didn't do it cause nobody's paying me to kill you. Right. And like, I'm not here to be an asshole. I'm just here to do my job. Which I'm is a killing religion people. based assassin. When they call me and they all call me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, good. That's a direct quote. Uh, <laughs> go I, off John Green. Yeah. I just, I just do my job and I kill the people they want me to kill. And it's important to me to know that what I'm doing is God's will, right? Or is it to them? It's important to them. He doesn't care. Oh, he doesn't care that it's God's will. I mean, I don't I don't think he's exclusively religion based. I think I think he just says when they call me they all call me they all want me to know like they're doing it for good reasons. They're not just hiring an assassin for just like some <laughs> some some bad reason. They're they're doing it for good reasons. 
and I personally don't care, but also <laughs> no one paid me to kill you guys, so like I'm not going to, but if you follow me out of here, I will have to kill you. Yeah. And they don't follow him. And they don't either. follow him. They're like, fine, that's fine. Like, you've already done everything you need to do today, so I guess we're out. But <laughs> what are the Irish very good at doing? Oh, no, I didn't even think of that. Making car bombs. Oh that's my right. God. <laughs> um, so what happens is they're, they're leaving to go to, I guess, back uh, the to Vatican. the Vatican. And uh, he's, he gets a text. The assassin gets a text that says, your payment's in this uh, Volkswagen. And he goes to the Volkswagen and turns it on and explodes. He dies. Um, so, and then they just watch it and are like, whoops. And then... I think he did tell them that his employer was a man of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I think, think that it's, I'm not sure who they think it is. They might think it's Strauss. I didn't even I don't think, think they about. really know Strauss, but they, they, they figure enough to think it's someone back at the Vatican. Once there's a, a car bomb, it kind of yeah. narrows it down. Um, anyway, so they go back to the Vatican, um, and they come in through the passetto, right? Yes. And Chartrand opens the door and it's much better than in the book because he can't really hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And so they go like, the Camerlingo's in danger. And then immediately go get the Camerlingo. Yeah. So well done. Should we do, I mean, we're coming to the end of the book and we didn't do any 187 uh, men to avoid. Yeah, we should do those. <laughs> okay, let me turn on the light. Okay. Number 25. Men with belt buckles that say Coors. I didn't know they made those. I didn't know they made them either. I think it's inoffensive and to each his own belt buckle. <laughs> also, I think if I found a guy who had one, I'd think, wow, you're like a really cool vintage shopper. I mean, I might think he was like a slightly irritating hipster guy, but like I, I'm i friends with plenty of those and I've been known to be one about some things. <laughs> it's fine. Number 26, another car-based one. Men who honk if they're horny. Do there are there signs that say honk if you're horny? I imagine that I assume there must be bumper stickers that say it, which is what I find interesting here is that he's not mad who has bumper stickers telling you to honk if they're horny. He's mm. mad at the people who actually honk in response to that. You'd already have to be in the car with the dude to know that he honks when he's horny, right? Like, you, like to know that that man does that when he sees that bumper sticker, you'd have to be in the car with him, right? Or you'd have to be the one with the bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should get the bumper sticker. Just so you could, like, weed out the bad ones. Could be. Smart. <laughs> oh, you're thinking. Um, number 27, men who moonwalk. That means he's a great dancer. Yeah. Or an astronaut. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Which are both great criteria for dating someone. Yeah, but, that they're, one's but, just they're, but they're both things better than Dan Brown is. So oh. you cannot, it can't be good. <laughs> Uh, 28, men who consider Super Bowl sad, Super Bowl Sunday a religious holiday. I don't care about that. It's fine if I you do. I don't care either. Like, I, I don't think it's a reason not to... It probably means I don't have much in common with this guy, you know? Yeah. But I don't... It's not in and of itself a reason not to date this guy. No. Also, this book isn't even about dating. It's just oh, men to avoid. to avoid. Yeah, that's... Okay. I have lots of friends who like football a lot. It's fine. <laughs> Um, 29, I think might be fair. Men who wear full army fatigues grocery shopping. Yeah, no. Not good. I've seen it here. We live in an army town and... Yeah. Yeah. Not ideal. Uh, last one for the day. This is the first one that is a real of the day that's like the personal attack on me of this book. (laughs) Um... Keen-eared listeners who've heard me sign off from this podcast may have noted this in the past. Number 30, men who say, have a good one. 
I say that. I, I say it all the time. It's just kind of like my default way of saying goodbye. It's nice. <laughs> I don't have an it's issue a with nice, it. It's a nice thing to say to somebody. I'm not avoiding you, you know? Like, I, yeah. And I wouldn't for that reason. I'm terrible. Dan Brown's a monster. I want to write my own 187 men to avoid. Yeah, you should do it. Send it into BuzzFeed. They'll pay you way less than they pay Dan Brown. <laughs> I'm going to start putting it together and chopping it around to a few publishers. Okay. And I'm going to do it under a male syn- uh, pseudonym. Oh, smart. Thanks. Um, they Where get to the Vatican we? and they bust into the door. Is it just Richter and McKenna in the room right now? That's right. Okay. And it's the same tableau we get with Kohler, yeah. except Richter is a little more imposing. Yeah, Richter's like, standing, standing and with- has a gun down pointed yeah. toward him. Yeah. Um, and McKenna's been branded. And uh, Olivetti comes in and he says, yeah, yeah. So he says, uh, it's him. He's got a gun. They shoot Richter. Then um, a character we've not talked about, Archbishop Simeon. Yeah. Who I don't think we need to talk about that much. He says, you sanctimonious bastard and comes at him with the brand. He picks up the brand and is going to beat him and gets shot down. They take the guy. They take the, the Camerlengo and put him on the thing. And he's mm-hmm. like, have we evacuated everyone? Like, what are we going to do now? Yeah. Um, and uh, Richter, instead of giving Langdon a camcorder, gives him a key. Yeah, a key. And Langdon takes it because you do take keys from strange dying yeah. men. Um, and th- the brand that he's been branded with is the papal. It's the crossed papal keys. It's the crossed papal keys upside down, though. For symbology reasons. Yeah, so when St. Peter was martyred, he was crucified upside down, depending on who you ask, which is to say most things will say it's because he didn't think he was worthy of being crucified in the same way as Jesus was, which is to say right side up. Mm -hmm. So he had an inverted cross, and so Langdon takes the symbology of this inverted papal symbol to specifically mean it's talking about St. Peter and then he makes the leap to decide the antimatter must be at the tomb of St. Peter. Langdon doesn't do that though. Does yes, he? I don't remember. Okay, one of them does it. Anyway, they go down to the tomb of St. Peter um and it basically I mean there's no Chinita Macri because it's 2009 and they yeah. have flashlights. Um and he and Victoria's like it's Oh, she thinks she can change the battery if it's less than five minutes. Yeah. And it says seven minutes on the thing, but it's cold it's down cold. there. And that decreases the battery life yeah. of things. And so uh, they actually can't risk it. It's very stupid. I don't know why they did that. <laughs> that it didn't change anything. Um, and she's like, there's no time. We should just leave it down here and the, the, you know, the damage will be less. And he's like, nope. And he grabs it and he footballs his way yeah. up. Gets in the helicopter alone. Alone. Robert Langdon does not follow him because why would he? Yeah, I think I think it's just because it's very hard to explain in a movie that Robert Langdon thinks the camera angle wants to throw it out of the helicopter, yeah. but there's no way. Like because just like us, the audience reading the book, why would you think he wants to throw it out of the helicopter, Robert right. Langdon? There's no reason to think that. Right. Um. And so the camera angle goes up. It's very dramatic. We think he's going to die in the in the helicopter with the canister and there's an explosion and it's mesmerizing it's cool it's good looks good things are falling up like art is being damaged and uh there's reverberations and people are being knocked all over the place and it's it's very cool it's uh beautiful to look at it's done and it looks kind of like the last judgment a little bit um it's got like a renaissance vibe to it it's very pretty and then we see uh 
Patrick McKenna. Patrick, yeah, Carolingo Patrick come down with with the parachute. Parachute, thanks, and get buffeted around by the explosion quite a bit. Listeners, that time my interrupting Lena to finish a word for her was not just me being rude. That time she was indicating a parachute without saying the word. I was. I had my hands up for in help. the air. Yeah. Just for once, this one's not me being a bad person. <laughs> You're fine, Forrest. Thank you for helping. Um, and so he lands, and they're like, oh, he's magic. And they patch him up. And then uh, while he's being patched up, um, they go to Richter's office for reasons I don't yeah. understand. Um, and Cardinal Strauss is there. Mm-hmm. And they do, like, a, they press on the desk, and it opens, and the journals are in there, and they don't read the journals because it's too hard to do right now. That's, that's but then there's a video screen comes up like this, and it's like, you oh, he a key had, to open it. You, you need a key to turn on the video screen. But basically, um, the Pope had epilepsy. And, was it epilepsy? Or? Thrombophlebitis. Thrombophlebitis. Wow. I remember that fucking word. <laughs> oh, the whole thing about the black mouth and the checking to see yeah, who was murdered also happened. A lot of stuff happened. Um, and and so to, because he has he has he's prone to seizures, they uh, put up all these cameras to keep an eye on him to keep him safe. Yeah. But it also recorded what happened between Richter and the Camerlingo, and Strauss sees it, and so the Camerlingo goes into the Cardinals to be like, I'm Jesus. And everyone's staring at him like, I don't think yeah. so. You're a murderer. And he turns around and he's freaking out and he's like, they know, they know, they know, they know. And then he lights himself on fire. Yeah, but not in the cool dramatic way on the balcony of St. Peter's, which like never made a lot of sense. Right. Um, that one's also a pretty gruesome scene of Ewan McGregor burning alive. Yeah, very gross. Uh, and then it all wraps up. Cardinal Baja, who didn't die, becomes the new Pope. He's Luke the first because there's never been a Pope Luke because Luke was, uh, according to some traditions, a doctor. So he's symbolizing with his name the marriage of science yeah. and religion. Robert, what a bold symbol. <laughs> Robert Lane and Victoria have a nice conversation where she's like, "I didn't mean to like hurt all these people." Basically, like, yeah. we thought have we were going to change with the, the world. Yoga master? No, she doesn't say that. She doesn't say it. Why did you have to say it? Um, and then Robert goes, you should do it. You should go change the world. And she acts fatherly toward her. And that's the most appropriate nature of their relationship. I kind of like their relationship in this one. Yeah, me too. Uh, the, in, in the scene where they go into the Pantheon and pretend to be married, they have like their only bit of vaguely flirty dialogue. And it never comes off as flirty. It's just kind of like Robert being an asshole and her <laughs> being kind of funny. I like her. I like her a lot. Yeah, I liked her a lot in this. Um, and then it... it the only, ends there, Yeah, it? so this time, at the end of the book, how the church gives Robert Langdon one of the brands for his book, in this one, the new, uh, I guess Cardinal Strauss, who's the new Camerlango, gives him the Diagrama. Galileo book that he's defaced. Yeah. But, like, not just, like, on loan from the library or something. He gives it to him until he dies. He says, make sure it finds its way back to the church in your last will and testament. Yeah. So Robert just gets to keep this rare, fragile book in his house for the next until he dies. X number of years. He um, the page doesn't get ruined because he doesn't go in the water with that jacket. No, but so. it's, it's still it's still not in the book anymore. It is not, but he can just you know put it slip it in. Here. Do you have an angel for the movie? For the oh, for the movie? Yeah. I didn't think I was gonna have to do this. Well, you do. Chartrand? Correct. That's okay. also my angel for the movie <laughs> for the reasons I explained earlier. He's the best one. All right. Uh do you have a demon for the movie? John Green cuz he looked like the assassin in this one. Okay. Silvano for dying 
too easily. <laughs> too easily. Stick up for yourself, man. Uh, I want to read you some Amazon reviews. Oh, yes. I would like to hear okay, those. Okay, so uh, we're taking a page out of How Did This Get Made's book and just doing some second opinions here. I'm not going to sing a second opinion song. But here's one by Sharon Alanon. Uh, if you like Indian Jones, <laughs> you will love the fictional professor, uh, parentheses, Tom Hanks, who studies symbols and works hard to hunt down the villain in the Da Vinci Code movie series. The movie is a white knuckle ride. Lots of twists and turns just when you thought you figured out the mystery. Surprise. Five stars. Okay. All right. Here is, uh, this one's by Donna. This is a follow-up of the Da Vinci Code. In this movie, Hanks pursues ancient clues on a hunt through Rome to find the four cardinals kidnapped by the deadly secret society. Hanks races through sealed crypts, dangerous catacombs, and the most secretive vault on Earth. This one, this is one action-filled movie. You won't get bored watching this one. Five stars. This one was called Why I Like This Movie. So. The, that, that second one? Yeah. She didn't watch it. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't do those things. <laughs> okay, here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. This one is by John Drake, MI6. It's called Great Suspense Story. Do you Spine think he's really an MI6? <laughs> see. Can I? I'm trying to get you out of here on time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I will not give away the details of this one. Oh. And I have read the book as well. Excellent actors and great religious significance, too. All scholars and religious people should see this movie. <laughs> I would spend money to see this one, but I saved it to my computer for repeat watching. Loved it. I did spend money. I saw it in theaters. You did? Yeah. <laughs> I rented it, so... I mean, I didn't see it in theaters this time, but... Yeah, but when it, when it was out, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I thought it was early 2009 in my memory, because I don't remember seeing it, like, senior year of high school, but that would have been it. <laughs> Um, I think I, I think I went like at a nine o'clock PM showing, which is like very late for me with either my mom or my dad. I don't remember why. That's bananas. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, mean, I remember being disappointed walking out. You're like, that wasn't as good as the book. Cause that was when I still, that was, I think just the turning point when I was starting to realize that Dan Brown was a bad writer. <laughs> Here's one last one. This is my favorite one. This one's by Nota Troll. Uh, it Nota says Nota Troll. Yeah. And, With an e? Oh, not a troll. There you go. There we go. Um, I like this so much the first time it was released. I watched again ellipses. Okay, here we go. I saw this movie when it first came out. Liked it then and thought it was great the second time around as well. Ron Howard must have a hell of a budget and lots of writers because the story <laughs> ties together with sorts with a sorts of historical points and sights. I can't imagine what it costs to shoot this puppy. The acting is pretty damn good as well. The only thing I do not like is the fact that the God particular, God particle, uh, issue is not questioned here. It would have been nice to say creating life is not creating a soul and mind. Uh, but I guess the writers in Hollywack are not that good all the time. What can I say? Huh. Five stars. The God particle doesn't create life. It just allows matter to exist, I think. Um, anyways, um, I think that's pretty much Angel. This movie was banned in Samoa. <laughs> <laughs> for, for being anti-religious? Uh, Are yeah, they particularly religious? Yeah, but Lei Atawa Oluapu, he mm -hmm. stated that he was banning the film because it was critical of the Catholic Church, and he wanted oh. to avoid any religious discrimination by other denominations and faiths against the church. Missionaries are a hell of a drug. I'll tell um, you that. Yeah. 
That's oh, it was nominated for two Teen Choice Awards. It was. It didn't was, win either of them. Was Tom Hanks nominated for a Teen Choice Award? I'm not sure if he was, but the movie was nominated for Choice Movie Drama. Okay. And also Choice Summer Movie Drama. <laughs> um, oh, the Teen Choice. It did Awards. not win. Who did it lose to? Uh, the winner was Twilight. Man, that wasn't even a that wasn't even a competition. Uh, what one choice summer movie drama? I bet it's Twilight. Uh, it doesn't. Oh, it says Kristen Bell presented, but it doesn't tell me what one. <laughs> no, <laughs> god damn it. Um, yeah, suffice to say, it wasn't Angels and Demons. Didn't Twilight come out in the winter? I don't know. I don't remember. Oh I was man, 14. musical performers. Jonas Brothers performing much better in World War Three. Sean Kingston performing the immortal hit Fire Burning. Wow. I love Fire Burning so much. I love that song. Uh, Black Eyed Peas performing I Got a Feeling, a song (gasps) I forgot about until at Trivia last week. It it came up. (laughs) And Miley Cyrus also performing another immortal hit, Party in the USA. That's a pretty good lineup. It sounds like the 2009 Teen Choice Awards were the place to be. Yeah. Wow. X-Men Origins Wolverine won Choice Movie Action. Okay. Choice Movie Actress Action. Welcome to Teen Choice Awards. One second, one second, one second, one second. Lena Forrest. Okay, guess who won the Choice Movie Actress for Action? Megan Fox. No. For Transformers. No? What if I tell you she won it for the film Fast and Furious? That's the fourth one. It's not Michelle Rodriguez? Uh Uh-uh. Who is it? Jordana Brewster. What? (laughs) Who? She plays uh, Brian's wife. Dom's sister. Oh, what? Yeah, no, she has nothing to do in any of those movies. Why is she winning awards for it? That's very, very no. Uh, she beat Malin Ackerman in Watchmen, which is fine. I like Malin Ackerman, but that movie's garbage. Bryce Dallas Howard in Terminator Salvation. I like the movie Watchmen. Bryce Dallas Howard in Terminator Salvation? I like the movie. Uh, Mila Kunis and Max Payne and Zoe Saldana. In Star- which movie? Fast and Watchmen. Furious? Watchmen. Oh, really? Yes. It's so long. It is so long, but... <laughs> It's worth it. I don't know. It would have been oh, even dude. longer if they hadn't changed the whatever plot. I'm not going to. Yeah, there's not an octopus coming from this guy. Anyways, guys, Angels and Demons. It, uh, that's a wrap on Angels and Demons. I can't wait to never touch this again. Yeah, next time it's the Da Vinci Code. Which uh, is fun. I started reading it and I've got a lot to say. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yes. I haven't started yet. Oh, man. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All um, right, y'all. Uh, you can follow us at Dan Brown Code Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at Lena Jamili, L-I-N-A-J-E-M-I-L-I. You can follow me at Wishbone Ulysses. And uh, that's a wrap for today. Uh, we'll catch you next time uh, when we talk about The Da Vinci Code, an actually fun book. I hope you have a great day. <laughs> Bye, you guys. Bye.